welcome to the Interjections podcast. Uh, this is a podcast where the four of us uh, discuss the movies of the 1990s. We're currently in 1991. Uh, we've finally reached the summer, so well, it's not quite blockbuster season yet. We do have a small film that uh, did decently. Uh... So this month we're doing What About Bob? Uh I think it's a masterpiece. Uh, this was a Jimmy pick. Yeah, this was my pick. Uh, I watched it a lot as a kid because, you know, they aired it a lot on daytime TV because what else are they going to play? Garbage? <laughs> uh, so, yes, in USA a lot. Oh, yeah. And it was yeah, like absolutely. USA. And, I think I saw it yeah. on like TNT or something. Yeah, TNT, TBS. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe not TBS, but whatever. Let's be honest. <laughs> so, so, one of those Ted Turner this, channels. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't know, I'll let you know that this movie has the famous Murricane or Bill Murray and uh, the guy from Jaws. <laughs> is it Brody? Brody's no Brody the sheriff. Oh, okay. the, I always mix up. Oh no, the, 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 the cool the, guy from Jaws. I just call yeah, them the, their actor. Yeah, that's the, the shark doctor. Yeah, um, doctor. And Bill Murray plays a highly neurotic, highly uh, he compares Yeah, hi, highly paranoid. He's um. Um, wow, I had the word and now it's gone. Uh, the when when you uh, sociopath? Well, not a sociopath. <laughs> He's a mess. Like, uh, you know when you have like uh, that condition where you think you have every disease. Oh, hypochondriac. Like he he's a little too far down the road in terms of uh, just crazy. So much so that other other psychologists were like, "We're passing the buck on onto this guy, that guy." Like they they just they just push uh, Bill Murray's character Bob onto other doctors, and finally we get to a uh, um, Richard Dreyfuss. Yeah. Leo, what is his yeah. name? Yeah, Richard Dreyfuss. Doctor Leo. Doctor Leo. Yeah. Get your nerve from the general store. Yeah. So as Bob is like going to his first appointment um he's get he's all excited he he like you know has one-on-one and feels like maybe things might turn uh like start looking good but then he finds out that uh dr uh marvin is going on vacation for the whole summer so he just you know goes into his crazy antics and basically stalks his doctor and his family, and his family falls in love with him, but Dr. Marvin is the only one that seems to know that, like, hey, this isn't right. We as the <laughs> audience know that he's crazy, obviously, yeah. but, like, every scene he's in with uh, Julie Haggerty, who is Richard Dreyfuss's wife behind Jeff's shoulder there, uh, and the and the kids, they... Um, of airplane fame. Right. The yes. um, They always seem to see him in his best state. So they don't see how crazy he can be. Yeah. And it's obvious to a psychologist it's, that he could go off the rails at any minute yeah. and doesn't he do, Richard doesn't know where he's gonna go next. It's it's very also, much it's very much a Magoo syndrome. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, he could just sort of falls into these things where he happens to be right about stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, like there's certain situations in the movie where he like he braves up, like he like he gets into a situation, especially with the, his doctor's like kids, and um, they're anxious about something or they're nervous about something. And then he, he gives them sage advice for somebody that's a little, little, little off. Because it's and something then, that is he actually just said to him. Yeah. Yeah. And then like uh, he, he helps like one, one of the uh, kids like basically face his fear. He was nervous about well, diving well, into yeah. the lake. Yeah, diving into the lake. And like uh at the same time he confronts his fears. So like it's kind of a weird like I'll step up my uh A game, but only accidentally because I'm being friendly. It's kind of ironic because yeah. uh Leo's trying to teach his own son how to dive and is kind of grumpy about it and it's not working. Yeah. And, and too technical. Yeah. It's, and it's, then yeah. It's kind of like he needed both. Bob and Leo to push him. Yeah, and it's, literally and figuratively. And it's funny that his son is actually having an existential crisis by the age of nine. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's what, what happens. With, okay, we we got to we got to start at the beginning here. The son's name is Sigmund. Oh yeah. yeah. Richard Dreyfus's character is a hyper neurotic narcissistic uh psychologist. You know what the best the scene movie the whole movie goes around he's trying to get an interview or he, he's trying to ready himself for an interview with Good Morning America because he's like got a best selling book and he's trying to like you know keep all of that going and Bob just keeps getting in the way. And it's, it's, it's very much like, I don't know. It's like grown up Dennis the Menace yeah. in a way. <laughs> I yeah, feel yeah, right. Right. It, is. it basically is grown up Dennis the Menace. Yeah. So because you have like, uh, you know, Dreyfus's character names his, his son Sigmund and his daughter is named Anne after Sigmund Freud's daughter. And he's just like, so of course the kid is 10 years old and having an existential crisis. Like he's just, yeah. there's an entire scene where he's just like sitting in, in his bedroom with Bob and he's just like, are you afraid of death? <laughs> <laughs> we wonder why Jimmy's the way he is. Because oh, yeah, he used yeah. to watch this as a kid. Oh, I watched it all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as soon as he said that, Jimmy's like, oh. <laughs> it was like, that's where I get it from. No, uh, well, as a kid, as a kid, I think I probably related more to Bob because he was like, he was the funny one. Well, yeah, but we I, all love Bill Murray. Yeah, I, I didn't think much of like, you know, the fact that like, he's he's uh, got all these uh, multiple neuroses, and I was like, that didn't that didn't phase me. I just thought he was a funny guy. Yeah, I knew it was kind of he was being obnoxious, so I understood yeah. the actual premise. I saw this as a kid as well, but it. Uh, you know, it never phased me. I actually was more into Dreyfus, which tells you a lot about me. Yeah, I was too, actually. I was always on his side. That's why we like Frazier. So. I think so, yeah. I mean, this is this is the first uh, first time I've seen this movie, but wow. it was definitely like, you know, one, one of Dreyfus's better works. Yeah. I think it's one of his best comedic performances for sure. Yeah, it's basically like Frank Oz and the rest of the crew doing a riff on the gaslighting subgenre, yeah. like a single white female. Only the single white female is. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of funny. Because really of, funny. by the end, spoiler alert, he writes his own therapy book. Yeah. Well, part part of the the dynamic was the fact that like, you know, in in interviews years after, Dreyfus and Murray have all talked about they didn't get along at all during the filming of it which worked out because they're like you know Dreyfus was like just try to annoy the shit out of me and Bill's just like I'm just gonna do my best and it's Bill Murray, <laughs> he so did. he succeeds you know flawlessly in apparently a lot of everyone it was one uh sometimes it was one breakdown on the set where uh he got right in Dreyfus's face and said nobody likes you everybody hates you and threw an ashtray at him oh so I don't know if you guys watched the special features on that disc that I gave you, but they recount some of that stuff. Some yeah. On the set. Was, some of that was in the trivia too. So I imagine people just wrote down the special features, you know? Yeah. But he was, you never know with Bill Murray whether he's being real or not. So if he's flipping out at you, is he just like getting some steam off? Does he actually like you? Because <laughs> they always say with his fight with Chevy Chase and everyone else on SNL that he uh, went back and forth with, they loved each other, but it's kind of like brothers fighting. Oh, so yeah. you don't he might know. Be a bit bipolar. He's got some of that Chicago uh, anger to him, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, isn't he like, <laughs> yeah. isn't he like one in one in ten kids? Yeah. Yeah. So like, he probably admires Dreyfus, but yeah. is making sure they're getting their job done. But he's like, what is this life? So he's yeah, like he's right in between Bob and. And uh, Charlie Cosmo's, uh, what is oh Sigmund? Yeah, uh, he's he's probably like thinking all sorts of existential things all the time. So he's like, the reason he's fun is because he only has you know seventy to eighty years to live unless something else happens. Yeah. I think that's why Bill Murray's zany in his real life persona or not, or otherwise. Bill Murray just is a sociopath, <laughs> but he's our favorite sociopath. He's yeah. he's. Uses Bob Wiley in real life. I was gonna say there's a couple tip-offs before uh, before the end that Richard Dreyfus is a complete narcissist, like Jeff said. 
the darkest moment in the movie is probably when he gets the phone call at night saying that Bob's killed himself. And he goes, one of my patients killed himself. Oh, well, let's not let it ruin our vacation. The phone call that came from uh, Bob pretending to be a PI <laughs> trying to get in contact with us. But like that's it, it totally snowballs out of control until finally he like finds him at the lake house. Mm-hmm. and it's just I don't know because <laughs> it keeps going all these, these convoluted roots because you know obviously they, they try to play on the whole doctor patient relationship thing and he's just like okay I'm going to give you this little advice I'll see you in a month and Bill Murray's just like he hasn't gone without seeing a therapist for longer than like 48 hours so <laughs> You know, I wonder if the whole scenarios that happen back to back are kind of like the five stages of grief. I'm trying to think of it right now, where like he's there's acceptance at the end. Yeah, he's denying it at first because he's like Bob will go away, right? That'll definitely happen. Then there's anger where he actually pushes him off the the pier. There's bargaining where he just tries to get him to go to the hospital, but he charms everyone there. You know, I don't know if that's actually what they meant, but. you can analyze like, it that way. Fear. Right? I feel like you're definitely onto something, but I think it's probably more uh, Bob going through that and Dreyfus uh-huh. going reverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're not dying at all. The Dreyfus is getting crazier. Yeah. You <laughs> so, see, the trick is like to solve your problems. Is you have to pass off your insanity to someone else. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's what's happened here in the film. Not real life. Yeah. Amongst friends. It's all about say, Frank Oz, just masterful at comedic timing. I mean, we always knew that because of the uh, the Muppets and everything, but mm-hmm. the way he shoots things, like in particular, the uh, if he did insert shots for this one gag, it wouldn't work. But the scene where he's like, You think he's gone? He's never gone. And then he opens up the door and Bill Murray's still there and he slams and he goes, You see? You have to shoot that in a wide uh, master shot. Yeah. yeah, it wouldn't be funny. Right. Right. He's still good at comedic timing and that. And, and it's also still going from when he pushed Bob out of the door, so you never cut away from it. Right. Um, he's coming off a run of he just did Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and the Little Shop of Horrors. He'd done his Muppet stuff with Jim Henson and everything. He's going to go on to do uh, House Sitter, In and Out, Bowfinger. So Frank Oz's nineties are pretty solid. I think this yeah, is the they did the film. score. Did he really? Yeah, which is a really good heist movie. Oh, I thought he did the score to this. Oh, like the music. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh wow. I forgot about He's the talented. score. I never it has a very sitcom y zany score. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's what's kind of crazy uh when reading about up on the trivia for this was like who was considered to be cast. Mm-hmm. You imagine a version of this film with uh robin williams as bob and anthony hopkins as uh that's not inconceivable i mean i think it's a different feel yeah yeah, it would be a very different like i'd feel like it'd be more serious yeah yeah i can't see anthony hopkins doesn't have comedic chops I mean, Anthony Hopkins would be crazy, but if it was actually uh, Patrick Stewart. Oh, yeah. Patrick Stewart and Robin Williams. I mean, I still feel like it would be more a little more serious, like dry humor. Yeah, like maybe. his British. What was that show that Patrick Stewart what? did where he was a talk show host? That, oh. uh, I forget the name of that, but it was a couple of years ago. And he was he was serious, but it was like dry British humor that it was it was irony every time. So I think he fits a psychiatrist for sure, but blunt you know, talk. Yeah, yeah, blunt talk. Um, I think it would have been interesting, and obviously this was kind of written with Robin Williams in mind. But once Bill Murray comes in, it makes it a Bill Murray feel, which you you understand what that means. It's kind of improvisational, but not in a manic way. It's in a um, deadpan way. Yeah, that Bill Murray knows how to do. And I think he jives better with, or gels better with uh, Dreyfus. I don't know that he would have been good with Stewart, but we don't know Stewart much from comedy other than Blunt Talk, you know? 
Right. I don't know. I just love... I like this movie because, first of all, the scene at the end when Dreyfus finally loses his shit and, like, tries to blow Bob up in the woods, mm-hmm. which, like, it just goes off the rails. It's, it's cartoony, but, like, his breakdown is brilliant. But the, um, the other thing is I feel like for a lot of the movie, it, it's meant for, like, if a, if a psychiatrist watches this movie, they're like, yeah, I know patients like that. <laughs> but for me who sometimes uh, I've had like an on again, off again with, with Bill Murray in, in movies and appreciating him. I'm just like, this kind of sums up how Bill Murray feels in movies <laughs> where it's just like, it's just super annoying and he keeps coming back. And then finally you're just like, okay, this is, this is who he is. This is the movie now. He's our patron saint. I don't think he has a 92 film because the next thing he does is Groundhog Day. Oh, it's not, it's not exactly a hidden gem. So yeah. we probably won't be highlighting that, but we'll talk about it. Yeah. But I mean, we have people show up again. Like, um, I know we, uh, we already talked about Charlie Cosmo, his son Sigmund. He was the kid in Dick Tracy. So that happens. That's where I saw Yeah, Yeah, yeah. we we just seen it. Yeah, these are are like his two biggest films other than Hook. So we've basically seen his films. Oh, God. Technically do Charlie Cordman three times in a row. So I don't know that we're all fans of Hook. I mean, I like Hook. I don't think it's a hidden gem either. Yeah, no, it's a pretty pretty popular among millennials. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, hell, I used to play the video game at the uh, skating rink when I was a kid. Was it a video game? Yeah. Or was it a pinball man? No, no, no. It was yeah. a video game. It was a video okay. game. I played the video game. I swear I played a pinball game of yeah. a hook too, though. Yeah. But Catherine Irby, uh, she hadn't really done any films before. She had uh, come up through Chicago theater and went on to do stuff like Law and Order, Criminal Intent. She's been around a bunch of places, but uh, the weird thing that we, we found was that Julie Haggerty is only 10 years older than her, playing her mother. Really? So, yeah, yeah, she's 26 filming this, uh, uh, Irby. So, and and Julie Haggerty's only like 35, 36 filming this. Now. Yeah, no, like when, when she first showed up on uh, on like whatever scene that she came up in, um, <laughs> um, she looks young, but like there was, there's like, a, I guess the way that like the lighting was, like you could still see like the, uh, her, the lines in her face, but like, we were so curious like, if she was like his high school daughter or like coming to visit from college. Yeah, because we like, were just curious. Yeah. Like, okay, and I started doing my research for the guide we make, and you know, and then we're like, hang on, this is interesting. <laughs> you know, I really like those puppets. They reminded me of like Mr. Rogers. Oh god, oh, that seems really I'm, funny. I'm, uh, I actually, it's surprising that they didn't come up more often. Mm-hmm. The puppets, like yeah, was, I was hoping that too. Actually, I was hoping there was yeah. gonna be a Bob puppet at one point. Mm-hmm. Like Bob made his own. Like Bob yeah. made his own like puppets to join him. I made one for the fam. Look. Yeah, it was, it was it was like a one-time gag in the movie. Yeah, actually, I kind of appreciate that because today yeah. it would have been like they well, would the, the beaver was a whole puppet. Movie, yeah, they would like, they would have run it into the ground. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a lot of like one-time bits. The mm-hmm. only thing that's consistent is you know Bill Murray's craziness and the and the couple that laughs every time Bob gets uh, better of Leo. Oh yeah, like, you know, she never says it. The old the old couple that like wanted to buy um, buy the vacation house. Marvels. Yeah, they wanted to buy the house that the yeah. yeah, but they they wanted to buy it to retire in. Doctor Marvin bought it just to have a summer home. Have a summer home, one, but primarily because he wanted a home to shoot the interview in. Mm-hmm. And so they figured out how to weaponize Bob. Somehow, it just happened to be this. Oh yeah, no. Then we'll ditch that second idea that I had. I'm just being. I think it's. I think it's right. Right? Like out of. uh, It just happened. I think it's in his head. Out of like Andy and Mayberry, except for the the wife keeps cursing. She goes. She never said that. Yeah, she never. She never talks like this. (laughs) I think she does, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Who else is really good? Good supporting character, Gil. Yes. The fish. Oh, the fish. Oh, the, I forgot about the He's fish. Suffocating, guys. He's suffocating. Oh, there's the puppet. I found the puppet. <laughs> this is how you deal with your family drama, don't you? I like how the Richard Dreyfus one clearly has like 
a Grecian formula in his hair. Yeah. This is the yeah. worst King Friday. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do like that she plays along with it, though. She, like, accepts that this has to happen to get him off her back. And oh, yeah. again, well, the funny is, part is he's the way he does with her for... close-ups of the puppets as they're talking. <laughs> yeah. He's been doing this with her for, like, her entire life. Yeah. Which is supposed to be 17, but she was, like, in her 30s when she shot this. Right. But um... she's wearing like a sack, her puppet. Yeah, yeah. What is that shirt? Uh, we, I was gonna bring up the box office. This actually is the first number one film of the weekend that we've had since Dick Tracy. Because hmm. uh, we started looking at the hidden gems around that point, so we started getting films that were like seventh and fifth, third, and even Kindergarten Cop was second because Home Alone was huge. uh, You know, Dick Tracy is a hidden gem now because people have kind of forgotten it by the wayside. And this was my first Bill Murray movie, my first Richard Dreyfuss movie. So I think this is kind of a hidden gem in their careers now because everyone, if you cite them, it'll be Ghostbusters, it'll be Caddyshack, it'll be Jaws, you know? So what about Bob is a nice little centerpiece. You You could say this is their shining moment even without those great films. So, yep. But it still it still did pretty well with like nine million for week one. Back then was pretty good. So what did it make overall? Sixty-three. Fine. Inflation, that's gotta that's like twice as much, right? So that yeah, about like uh eleven, something like that. Nice. Yeah. And this is a touchstone movie, so it's technically a Disney movie uh-huh right mm-hmm. that's where i played everywhere for a while because uh disney would like rent out their films to stuff like tbs and tnt all the time so that's how we see all these this was actually the biggest um disney live action film of the year so wow so i mean I how many cut off but this <laughs> is very strapped to the, right, yeah. the boat i'm sailing sailing <laughs> well you think DiCaprio ripped this off for Titanic? Yeah. Well, that's why I wore this shirt today in honor of sailing. I got sailboat. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this definitely feels like it was one of those movies where they were just like, you know what? We're going to go find a nice resort in Virginia and we're going to shoot this movie about Bill and Richard just driving each other insane. You know, it's a nice... It's an easy shoot. Just two costumes the entire time. Just two guys. You don't even have to act. Yeah. Just two good guys in a bad situation. Well, really, it's just really it's just two guys. One's good, one's bad, and the situation's bad for one. And depending on your perspective, you don't know which one's bad. Yeah, you want to talk real, real, real analysis here. There's two guys. One is good by accident and one thinks he's being good but is really just chaotic he's just trying to like shut his family up all the time he's just he might be a good psychologist and by the end he does accidentally end up helping bob i mean the funny part is psychologist more than he is a good self-promoter right yeah because all he keeps doing is going tell me more about that he doesn't really give him any advice that's surface psycho- psychology. Yeah, it's kind of like armchair psychology. It doesn't yeah. Or like, you know, the stereotypical portrayal of psychologists in Hollywood. Yeah, especially in the 90s. Yeah. It's funny because that obviously that bust in his office of Freud, it could also be him because he mm-hmm. found himself after Freud. I mean, look at his mm-hmm. facial hair. Mm-hmm. You could almost put a subplot in here about him doing cocaine and it would make total sense. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. But uh, want to get final grades? I give it a B plus. It's not my favorite Bill Murray movie of the '90s, but it's a great two-hander. I was gonna ask this for the ending. Uh, I'd probably give it a B plus now. I think I had it as an A as a child, but uh, I didn't remember how it ended. I'm curious how you guys think. Uh, was Siskel and Ebert? Ebert gave it a thumbs up and thought it was a great film. 
But Cisco gave it a thumbs down because he thought the ending was too abrupt. Yeah, the movie did go by a lot quicker than I remembered it. Like uh, when we watched it again, uh, we we had to take a break in the middle because I had to yeah, close. I had timing. to go to work. Yeah, we uh, just started a little late. But um, so we finished it the next morning. Even even with the that one day break in the middle of it, uh, it went by really quickly. Yeah, we cut it off right before he takes him to the psychiatry uh, yeah. hospital, and so he really just was like going off the rails for that last <laughs> half hour. And yeah. then oh, Bob's fine. Marriage. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it it sped up quite a bit. Yeah, I, I don't think but, it was like, I don't know. This would be a hard movie to it wrap did, up, to be honest with you. Yeah, it did feel abrupt, but I feel like it was more to hammer home the fact that like, oh, he's marrying his sister. Like, how could this get any worse? Oh, there it is. Um, the sister should have been so, around more of it to plant those seeds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was talking was, about her and he was so excited to see her in the party, but yeah, I think if she was planted a little more, I would have been okay with it. I feel like and the I sister was an after was an afterthought because then, like, well, the other thing that was also really surprising was the surprise party at the end. I was like, I don't know if I missed the seeds for like this was his birthday weekend or anything, or they just yeah. No, yeah no. At first, I thought yeah, it was going to be like. At first, I thought he was going to come out. You know, he's he's covered in mud and everything because he you know the car broke down and um. At Bob first, I like, thought it was yes, going to be like Bob threw him a party for no reason, but said that it was his birthday. Yeah, it was going to be something like that, and he's going to be like, "And you invited my entire family here. What is wrong with you?" Yeah, which actually would have been Fine. an interesting uh, point to it. Could have just been for the book promotion, too. Right. Yeah, yeah. but I don't. Wait, did they say happy birthday or they surprise? Did. They said surprise and happy birthday. Surprise and happy birthday. Yeah. Before he's a jolly good fellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was yeah. absolutely nothing leading up to the fact that like his birthday might have been that weekend. He did say the interview is going to be on your birthday at one point. Oh, that did Kind of, yeah. Once. Kind of right, So yeah, it was like a... So there were a few things that were like... I, I feel like there was more to this movie that was cut. Like they yeah. probably... You, know, you, have, you have another 45 minutes of Bill Murray just riffing on yeah camera. i'm sure that that dinner table scene went on for a while i'm yeah. sure i was yeah. a nightmare to edit they literally yeah. just filmed them eating dinner that night <laughs> yes like just eat dinner in character and then like bill murray just joygasming to eating corn <laughs> yeah what would you give it jeff what what would you give it jeff oh um probably give it a b b I'd give it an a minus personally okay. Like, it's still a good movie. I just don't remember it going by that quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, still a hidden gem, though. I think we yeah. all like it. Oh, yeah. It's funny because, like, every now and then, like, in like real life, I'll be like, okay, it's been a while, but like, uh, I'll drop the what about Bob in like random situations, like, ah, yeah, what about Bob? And everybody, like, just go on. It's like, you guys had garbage childhood you do uncultured well let's uh do we think this movie would have been able to be made today not at disney maybe as a sitcom well actually funny you should mention that apparently when i was looking at pictures for this uh i swiped a bunch of them from articles from 2017 about how nbc had ordered a pilot um for like a television version of this. Interesting. Really? How I could you make it episodic is what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. I don't know what came of that, but that should yeah, be. Yeah, I could, I could see it happening though. That'd be funny if before, uh, well, I think Robin Williams passed in 2014, right? Mm. Yeah. It would have been funny if he was able to do it as a TV show. Like instead yeah, he of- He was doing the crazy ones. Yeah, instead of that, if he did it at What About Bob finally, that'd be funny. I, I just can't imagine Patrick Stewart laughing to himself maniacally in a car driving home. <laughs> I could see it. I could. Oh. Did you not see Masterminds? It was going to become What About Barb? Oh. Really? oh, no. What about Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar? Yeah, it would have been Chris and Wigger. Uh, yeah. Someone else. Annie Malone. Yeah. Malone. No, thanks. 
what other uh what other films came out this month oh uh, another patron saying the podcast michael keaton did a movie mm. called one good cop mm. which is uh <clears throat> which is a weird hybrid of gritty cop drama and melodramatic kid adoption film hmm. like melodramatic adoption or adopting a melodramatic kid <laughs> both because <laughs> the kids overact in this too that some of the kids try real hard to be precocious and beatific but uh luckily uh michael keaton comes out of it unscathed but the movie itself uh kind of has a misguided message at the end because he's kind of they just let it go because he's a good family man so it's okay if he in if he steals uh you know drug kingpin's money and uses it for his kids it's okay i mean oh yeah sure yeah oh. well, to- totally, totally not considered uh, stealing evidence. No, no, no. One good cop can save the bunch, I guess. <sighs> not a um, title that would happen today. <laughs> uh, Stephen King adaptation. Sometimes they come back. Um, I think Stephen King has a weird phobia of greasers. Is oh, this- that movie. Okay, I, I didn't know that the, was the movie movie. with Tim Matheson about a bunch of a bunch of these. Um, college or uh, high school greasers that come back from the dead to haunt this man from his past um it's pretty schlocky it's not very good yeah it definitely you could tell it was one of those short stories that they expanded that can't get past the written page because it was probably only 20 minute uh 20 pages and mm-hmm. just isn't feature length so they put a lot of padding in there mm. um fx2 the uh sequel to the sleeper fx i see jimmy doesn't even know what fx is yeah Um, (laughs) it's a pretty belated sequel too i think came like five six years after the original the original is really good um it's brian brown the australian from uh cocktail you know him i do it no you don't yeah he's never seen a brian brown film i can tell you yeah okay okay fair enough uh tim and brian dennehy uh team up he's a special effects artist who uh, goes undercover to uh, pretend to do a mob hit so that this witness can testify against the mob, but something goes awry. That's the first film. The second film is almost like a rinse repeat, but it's almost a little too comedic and the gadgets get way too MacGyver-esque. Like there's an animatronic clown that goes along with his movements based on this suit that he, this tech suit that he puts on. And I'm like, this thing's getting away with way too much. I don't think real special effects guys, Stan Winston couldn't even rig up some, uh, something like this. It's a little too implausible. Mm. Um, one of the best movies of Ron Howard's directorial career, Backdraft, came out. Oh, yeah. Um, some spectacular fire, fire, pec, uh, fire, uh, fire pyrotechnics. There we go. Yes. Um, he said the word of the day. I think the mystery in the movie a little rote the mystery behind who the arsonist is is a little rote. Honestly, didn't really need it. I actually like the the sibling rivalry between uh, William Baldwin and Kurt Russell more in the movie. Hmm. But I understand they needed like a big action spectacular at the end. So it feels like that was the villain. thing they did back then. Like they needed some sort of like villain every time and the fire couldn't be the only villain. Right. They had to make a human villain. It could be man versus nature. Yeah. Um, the Nero's in this as well in supporting role. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah, have you yeah. guys seen Backdraft? No, yeah, it was terrifying. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, because I my my family is mostly firefighters, so they watched that a lot when I was a kid. Because mm. what my cousins were into. So, um, but I'm like, I don't like this at all. <laughs> yeah, not because it was a bad movie, but because I'm like, I'm just yeah. hearing about fires now. Kind of why I never wanted the second unit was on this did a fantastic job. Hmm. It was very well done. Um, underrated vanity project from Bruce Willis, Hudson Hawk. Ooh, we almost picked this for the month. Right. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how everybody's mileage would have fared with this movie though. Uh, yeah. Some of it's just outre, yeah, just to be oddball. But I like the energy behind it. It's very exuberant. 
Um, Bruce Willis looks like he's enjoying himself, which you never see nowadays. Yeah. yeah, no, he looks like a grumpy old man in everything he does now. Looks tired. Yes. He looks like he needs a nap. Yeah. In this, he's fully invested. He's the uh, he's the moonlighting character that you want throughout the whole movie. So, uh, underrated gem out there. Yeah. Uh, Only the Lonely, which is one of the rare uh, opportunities for John Candy to play a romantic lead. Uh, it's him and um, Ali Sheedy. Mm-hmm. Well, real quick, what year does John Candy uh, die? Ninety-five. Ninety-five. Okay. All right. We still have time. Sure. We still have time to squeeze there's in a John one, Candy. There's movie. one I actually want to do in '92. Yeah. So maybe okay. we'll do that. Like John, John Candy was like one of my favorites as a kid. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like hey, you made some good movies. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll probably talk about an underrated movie of his in 92 if it's the one I'm thinking of. Oh, interesting. There's one in 91 that we could do for August. Oh, this is the one I'm thinking of, maybe. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk Delirious. about it. Now, Delirious? Yes. Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah, I said your writer. Yeah. Okay. Maybe um, we'll do that for August. This movie's actually pretty good. I think it's John Hughesy, the producer. He wrote it. But it's actually good. He plays like a henpecked uh, Chicago cop who is falling in love with uh, Ali Sheedy, but his mom is constantly intruding on them. Maureen O'Brien, I believe her name is. Uh, oh, yeah. it's a really good movie. So she's uh, an old time actress. Very soothing and pleasant. Yes, she she was uh, big in like the forties, fifties. Yeah, yeah, she was in, I don't know if it was How Green Is My Valley or one of those big things. Yeah. yeah. So this was almost like, uh, this is almost like Debbie Reynolds doing Mother, like, oh, we got like this really esteemed actress to be in this movie. Uh, still around, too. Oh, really? Wow. She outlived John Candy. Crazy. Oh, yeah. Um, a Ridley Scott movie that's pretty famous for the ending, Thelma and Louise. Oh, which I never saw. What I don't want spoilers. No. Yeah, I'm sure the, never... the ending to this has been parodied to death. Yeah, everyone knows really? how this ends. You know Thelma Louise, right? No, I've never seen it. You don't you know, know the ending? Yeah, I don't know the ending. Jeff, you know the ending, don't you? I do. I well, bet if you... I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> Jimmy, did you see? I'm not going to be the Wayne's man. World Two. Did I see what? Wayne's World Two. Oh, yeah. They parodied that in Wayne's World, too. Maybe when we get to it, you'll oh, recognize it. So, like, I, I, I watched Wayne, the first Wayne, Wayne's World movie like a thousand and one times, and I've seen like Wayne's World, Wayne's World 2, like maybe like five times. Yeah. So, like, I don't, like, if, I, I know they parody a lot of things in those movies. It's just in Wayne's World 2, if they parodied it, parodied, parodied, what? Well, Parodied? Pyrotechnics. Pyrotechnics parodied. <laughs> Everything was A today. Yeah. If they had parried, uh, parried. Made fun <laughs> of. <laughs> I'm Porky Pig over here. If they had made fun of, um, you know, Thelma and Louise and the ending, like I would, like I wouldn't be able to pick really it, realize... pick, pick anything yeah. out from my memory. Yeah, I know it from The Simpsons. But... <clears throat> uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the movie not... itself is pretty good. I haven't seen it in years. So I can't give you a full reappraisal of it, but hmm. I remember it being pretty good. Brad Pitt has an early role in this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I guess it's one of the few really Scott movies to feature women as the leads. Yeah, that is interesting. He doesn't really tend to have that. Yeah. Um, and honestly, my favorite movie of the month, this isn't going to surprise Tristan, Soap Dish. Oh, right. Um it's basically a satire on uh, daytime soap operas with Kevin Klein, Sally Field, uh, Elizabeth Shue, Carrie Fisher, a young Robert Downey Jr. As a horny writer. Yes. He's always uh, trying to get with the main actress. Yeah. Which is Kathy Moriarty. Mm-hmm. Who we saw in Kindergarten Cop. Yes. <clears throat> Briefly. Thought she was going to have a bigger role. She has enough. Yeah. But the screwball timing in this movie is impeccable. To me. to me yeah i liked it fine i just was 
I think I overrated it in my head before I saw it, and it's good, but not great. I think it's worthwhile if you like any of those actors just to see uh, how they were in 91. Yeah. Like it's, it's cool to see a young Robert Downey Jr. again. Uh, Kevin Klein's one of my favorite actors. Sally Field is a lot of fun. This is a chance for her to not be... Um, she gets sterner as she gets older. Because she gets the motherly roles, but that's right. kind of what Hollywood does with people. So this is kind of her last gasp is like leading lady, comedic powerhouse, you know. Yeah, right before like Mrs. Doubtfire and stuff like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah she's kind of put to the side by Robin Williams' antics in that. Right. She's steady in that film. So she's the anchor that makes that film good. That people, well, she does have, they underrate her. She has hilarious moments in the movie. Mostly yeah, her reactions. She, she's the best part of Soap Dish, but that's again, she's the anchor. So she's it's kind of like the, the window between Gidget and Mrs. Lincoln. So yeah, but it's all it's got that rat tat tat dialogue, very Howard Hawks esque. Mm-hmm. Who directed that one? Sorry, I put you on the spot. Yeah, sorry, I should know this. Uh, hey, Michael I messed Hoffman. up. Marino Hair is dead, so My, Michael Hoffman, I believe. Yeah. Marina Hara would be 101 next month. She did outlive John Candy by 10 years now. Mm. Yikes. And now we get to poster boy. John Candy was 94, yeah. actually. Yeah, I was a year off. Well, his last film comes out in 95. That had Wagons East. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking about because they still had a film. He was, he was filming that movie and died. Yeah. So let's get into poster boy. Jeff, you got two this week. Oh boy. Oh. Yeah. And I remembered to set it so you can actually show me this. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's I literally here. just watched this last night so I can talk. Really? Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. What I want is for you to describe it and then try to tell us what you would make a film out of, I guess. Okay. So white background and there's a giant smoking gun with some dude in a suit sitting on top of the barrel uh and below the barrel is a woman in mostly a man's clothes with the pants dangling down hanging down for her life um dangling dangling and and the shirt's just big enough to make it look like she's wearing a skirt Yes. Yeah, it's covering things. Yeah, sure. Covering you, you don't wearing the necktie, which leads me to believe that she's totally just wearing his clothes. Um, right. All right. It's a Blake Edwards film. Yeah, I didn't blur out the other actors in the film because that shouldn't really tell you what it is. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm just going to take a wild guess here as to who they are. Uh, Bill Dwyer and Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> <laughs> We'll or, come back to that. I'll give you another chance. Or, but... or what's his face? Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> and oh, that's so, a good pick for back then. Gutenberg and I don't know. I have no idea. Um, okay. <clears throat> Honestly, this is either some law comedy or mob comedy or just a murder gone wrong comedy. He's close. Smoking gun could either be metaphorical or it's just a literal smoking gun. But obviously, I think. Yeah, what would you make out of this? I think this dude was sent to assassinate this woman and then ends up seducing her. And. God, that would have been a better movie. Yeah. But then there's like Wall Street hijinks happening in the background. Um, Or. You had a little bit of a right track in one of those uh, thoughts. You know what's interesting? Is it the lawyer one? Is it something like it's a it's a legal defense? They've got the smoking gun, but then he somehow bungles it all up. It's interesting. We've had three posts I can think of off the top of my head that have had similar themes <clears throat> in the plot. Mm-hmm. And this the one very first post doesn't post give away the the spiritual angle. Of the plot, you it's wouldn't know. Angle. Oh no! Jimmy's trying to think of it too. I think I know. This, I think I know this movie. Is one of them a guardian angel? Oh, do you know who it is? 
I don't know who it is, but I think I, I, I might have seen this movie. Is there Morgan Freeman in it? No, but <laughs> it wouldn't be far to think that he was, maybe. Sure. I think the next thing... Is this a prequel to Angels in the Outfield? Oh, God, no, it is not. <laughs> uh, it won't get shot. Um, the uh, plot is the next thing that I uncover, so... You already gave us a, a decent enough uh, film that might be better than this. So the next thing I'll ask is who one last chance to who they are. But why don't you read? Okay, wait, wait. What, you guess who they what are? What the plot is? I have no idea. That hair. This gives away uh, the plot uh, again, like uh, several uh, other films. Gary Shandling, and Good with the hair. Uh, again, I would like to that. Yeah. Uh, Bonnie Hunt. Mm. That's yeah. a good one. Oh, that's a good choice. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I know. I, I've right. seen this. Right. You have seen this? Steve and Walter used to have a preference for blondes. Then Steve was murdered and came back as one. Being a woman make him a better man. Oh yep. no. <laughs> so, so yeah, I know. My my my. I was right. I did see this movie. You yeah. did. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Oh, good. I don't remember the title though, so that's yeah. great. <laughs> what What would you call this plot? Because I don't. I guarantee you, just like Oscar, you're never gonna get it. Like, it's yeah. not a person's name. No. Yeah. Um. Firing blanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Better title. Um. Oh my god. I have no idea. Like the. That plot just throws me. Like, um, what happens when somebody changes genders? They not transition. That'd be funny if this is called transition. No. <laughs> yeah. One in the chamber. <laughs> <laughs> that is a film, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's okay. We'll we'll get to the title. Reload. The next thing. That's that's a one-word title. That's good. why I reloaded. Um. The next thing I uncover is their name. So why don't you take a one last stab at one last shot? I got. I mean, honestly, the, with that hair, it could be literally anyone. I know. Yeah. I think it was pretty close, though. Yeah. Want me to just give it to you? Sure. That's right. What? Yeah. It's Jimmy, Jimmy Smith and Ellen Barkin. <laughs> Actually, I have no idea who <laughs> Barkin is. I never would have guessed that. I had a feeling, yeah. Jimmy Smith and Ellen Barkin. You ever see? You saw Ocean's Thirteen with us, right? Uh, probably. Yeah, she was the different time in my life. Yeah, yeah lead. She's she's okay. the one trying to get back at Al Pacino. Okay. Yeah. yeah well, Jimmy Smith. Okay. Nice. So you're probably never going to get this. I think Reload is a better title too. <laughs> but pitch. No. Yep. As simple as that. Okay. The big reveal is that it's Jimmy Smith of all people. Yeah, right. That, that, I don't want to that poster is misleading because it makes it look like he was the guy that got killed. Oh. And he I got reincarnated as the woman. Yeah, I guess I could see that. Maybe because you were telling me as we were choosing Poster Boy, I didn't get confused. Because I understood that they were two separate yeah, people. I, I, you know, I remember from not not vividly but like uh i remember like before he switches um isn't he like in a bathtub with, with the women the wow. night before? he has a really good memory of this yeah that's he gets drowned in a in a jacuzzi ah! so, as soon as like you brought this poster up and i saw her in like like the, uh basically men's clothes i'm like wait a minute this this might be and then my brain's the end of whatever god damn so crazy that I remember this movie. Yeah. How old were you? Uh, I probably seen it on TV uh, when I was like seven or eight. That's not kosher. This is a rated I, R. I film. Would, you know what's funny? I mean, it was probably like edited to like twenty you know, something years. Well, I don't on TV, this movie, so like I probably won't. Yeah. Or maybe I saw it with my cousins when I was older. Between so, between eight and eleven. Is it any good, Corey? It's terrible. It's probably one of the worst. Blake Edwards movies I've ever seen. Um, he seems to in the in the '90s in particular and the late '80s. He seems to have this preoccupation with uh, his midlife crisis. 
So all of the leading men in his movies are womanizing Lotharios who learned a lesson by the end to settle down. Huh. <clears throat> and um, the movie tries to make light of date rape. Why are we? <laughs> wow. And uh, it's all forgiven because the, the whole reason that uh, the Ellen Barkin character can get back in the heaven is if uh, a woman falls in love with her character and when the baby's born it's a daughter so the daughter falls in love with them so by that by virtue of that don't 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 ask about it. <coughs> I, 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 um Tristan and my facial expressions right now are like what what it's all magical oh, realism don't you know this is you know, whatever that don't don't analyze the plot speaking of natural realism I got another poster for you Jeff <clears throat> okay oh, I gotta click on it again yeah Movie's almost as horrifying. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, my god. okay. <laughs> this is a little more accurate. All right. So we've got a a joyriding pink convertible with a Hollywood license plate. A jive talking black man on the hood <laughs> is some dude holding what seems to be a blow up doll come to life. Um, and he looks like he's trying to be a James Dean type, but uh, behind them, presumably driving the vehicle, is some off-the-wall black man, uh, like all sorts of the best kind of black man, colorful accoutrements, um, who is saying something in a speech bubble that's been blurred out. Um, mm. So some sort of joyride movie. I have absolutely no idea. Oh, wait a minute. Hang on. She's got a tag on her ankle. Um, I don't know if that's supposed to be a price tag or a toe tag. <laughs> Perhaps she was dead at one point. Oh, I don't know. Good eye. Like if he, he bought a blow up doll, the candle life or something, or like one of those real girl type things in the, in the eighties. Um, and Okay, so I think what happened, mm -mm. this guy bought a sex doll, and the guy driving the pink convertible is a genie type. <laughs> and he makes some sort of like, you know, one of his three wishes is for his blow up doll to come to life so that he has a date to the prom. And then uh, the other two wishes are the rest of the movie. <clears throat> And I'm guessing because it's in Hollywood, this whole thing takes place in in Hollywood. Yeah, why not? This was like the first version of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, God. Mm. <laughs> a little further from the truth, but yeah. Uh... And yeah, so and then the, the, the genie driving the black Cadillac tries to accidentally kill them all. Because... So this is a sequel. Uh, but I don't know how the first one goes. Is he actually a genie? Is his maximum overdrive? No. Uh, in the first movie, is he a genie? Yeah. No. Okay. This has sorcery elements that were not in the first movie. Okay. None of the same characters. You were along the right track, Jeff. Okay. Where, uh, where she comes to life. So that isn't too far from the truth. Um, I think I did this a Weird little bit on the too. Uh, different, different 80s classic. Uh, why would she have a price tag? Oh, is this mannequin? Ooh. Too. Close right. to it. She is a mannequin. Mm -hmm. Came to life. So and he's, he's a lowly shop clerk. Mm -hmm. So that pink at the bottom, the writing is mannequin too. But I'll have you guess three separate things from this. Okay. Uh, what would you, knowing what do you have you ever seen mannequin? I haven't. No. Okay. So what what is the exact plot of mannequin? She comes to life and he romances her. I don't know if she comes with him and stays real. Uh, Corey. Actually, I was wrong. There was an Egyptian curse put on her. Oh, okay. First movie. Oh, okay. It's uh, Andrew McCarthy and um, Kim Cattrall. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, it's almost like Splash. I okay. It was supposed to be like, I thought Mannequin was like a horror. No. No. Really? So, all this time, I thought House it was Wax. Supposed to be a horror movie. That's really funny. That's the Twilight. There's a Twilight Zone episode where mannequins come to life and then they forget their mannequins and then the mannequins are like, come back to us. So, um, so here's my question for you since you, you kind of were on the right track with the actual movie. What would you give as a tagline? Because I guarantee it's not what you think this is. <laughs> oh my God. I don't even know what that bubble is. I don't know, it's something to do with joyriding. Um, Ooh, he's, he's close. Hang on, hang on. I got this. Just pull your best Don Draper out and come up with a good uh, <laughs> log line. <laughs> Don't pull the tag off unless you're ready to ride. That's a long tagline. <laughs> this one's a long tagline. It's also not, I think, accurate to the plot. But we'll find out. Let me let me just give it to you. Okay. I gotta click again. She's been frozen for a thousand years. Now it's time to break the ice. What? I don't think they had mannequins back then. What are you talking about, poster? What is this Rita Repulsa of the movie? Why why is it a thousand years, Corey? Uh an evil wizard put that curse on her. Is the dude in the car the evil wizard? No. He's a friend. I think the evil wizard is Terry Kaiser. Okay. Yeah, Terry Kaiser from uh Weekend at Bernie's. He's Bernie. Oh. Okay. So he knows so, something about inanimate objects. Yeah. I'll give you a little bit of a chance. What do you think uh, Meshach Taylor is saying back there? In the bubble? Here we go again. Cowabunga. Give a guess. Uh, Groovy. Don't do drugs. Stay in school. <laughs> okay, that's too many words. It is woohoo, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> why not wait what <laughs> he's in the first well, film as like their friend why did they so have to put that clearly in? they could only get meshach taylor to come back for the sequel and he's funny so let's throw him on the poster and he's zany so why do they put the speech bubble on the poster i don't know but that looks like it was one of those like an afterthought sticker that they put on the box that they, mm -hmm. or someone decided was, should go on the poster. It sure does. Um, this is also the only image we could find of this movie. It's clearly someone like uploaded a folded poster because there's lines going through it. So this is probably a kind of a rare version of it. But um, one last thing, since we do know it's Mannequin 2, what do you think the subtitle should be? Escape from LA. There's <laughs> Snake Pliskins in the back. Yeah. <laughs> That's the tire treads. Back in action. That's not a bad one. It's close. Back to Looney the stock Club. room. <laughs> it's a preposition. Coming to life. Yeah. On the move. Oh, they actually spelled out two. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mannequin two yep. on the move. All right, that's enough of this. Yeah. <laughs> what a film. Wait, who is the guy? William Ragsdale from Fright Night. Oh, oh. Okay. I never recognize him. Another piece of I thought it was Jonathan Silverman. The director directed some cult classics. He did Tammy and the T-Rex, Ice Pirates, and Mac and Me. Oh, yes. Mac and Me. Maybe we'll talk about Mac. Or we passed that. Yeah, Mac and Me's in the, the 90s. 90s. Yeah, Mac and Me's like 80s. But it, it did come back into life recently. 88. It's always, it's always relevant. Um, well, <laughs> just in light of what about Bob, uh, I figured I'd ask. We... Here's a question for all of you. Do you remember when we did Quick Change, which was our first Bill Murray movie on the podcast? Mm. What we said our picks of the month were. Were they Bill Murray movies? I'm just testing your memory now. Mm. Do you know? 
Yeah, I will too. I immediately okay. forget everything once we finish recording. Yeah, right. I have the memory of movies that were tributes to yeah, the movies. Well, it was Christmas when the podcast was coming out, so we all said our favorite Christmas films, which Jimmy actually locked out and said Scrooge. Oh, yeah. so actually did say a uh, Bill Murray movie. Um, so I was thinking we could either do favorite Bill Murray movie, favorite Richard Dreyfuss movie, or favorite Frank Oz film. Let's do Frank Oz. Frank Oz. I don't know. I don't know that we're gonna do him again. So. Little shot of horrors. Oh. <laughs> I don't. I, I have Audrey too tattooed on my leg, so I win this argument. Okay, fair enough. We'll take that. I'm not gonna bring up because I don't bend that way, but. What in the movies he's directed? Yeah. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Mm hmm. I'm showing Jimmy uh, oh. his filmography. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see what he's done. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, okay. So, like, there's there's not really a whole lot for me to choose from because. Yeah. All right, okay. I got, I got my pick. Now what that is, that I, what is it? Oh, it, I, I'm going first. Why not? Uh, in, Indian in the Cupboard. Oh, good one. I oh, never wow. saw it. Oh, that's a good I movie. I liked it. See it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with Bowfinger. Oh, both of you is great. Yeah. I would say we could still do a Richard Dreyfus because I don't know if we'll ever cover him again. I'm just curious for the sake of uh, knowing. But uh, I, I mean, feel like we'd all say Jaws. <laughs> yeah, no. Actually, I might say Close Encounters because that's more of a Richard Dreyfus movie. Mm -hmm. Mr. Holland's Opus. It's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, let me see. Also, what this movie. I really like. Stakeout and another stakeout. Uh, that's, I think that might have been what I was going to say. Where is his filmography? Five. Five. There we go. What was I going to say? I'm showing Jimmy again. Wait, he was in American Graffiti? Yeah, that's his big break. Nominated for Best Actor. I actually never seen American Graffiti, so like I can't be like, oh, he was in that. I just watched it. Oh, that's what I was going to do. That's why I didn't bring it up. So if you want to scroll. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll... yeah, I'll, I'll I'm going to go with Let It Ride. Uh, I don't know if that holds up. Under underrated uh, film for sure. He plays, a, he plays a gambler who's down on his luck at the racetrack, runs into a bunch of different problems. It's just a nice little film. Used to be wait, on wait, 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 hold on, hold on, no, 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 hold on. I got. Did I read that right? Kirkendor Stribe, yeah. No, 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 no. He's yeah, in Dames and the Giant Peach as Mister Mister Centipede. Yeah. Why'd you get oh, so wow. Mr. Centipede was my favorite character in that movie. Oh. So, okay, <laughs> right? this is going to be James okay. and the Giant Peach. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah, that's a good film. I was also yeah. going to say Stand By Me, too. Oh, good film. Oh, that's good. Kind of just the end, though. But played, yeah. But still. He's very fitting as uh, as the writer. Yeah, all good films. I think it was like, it, it's funny because I first saw him in Jaws and I kept getting him. Even though they they weren't even in the same movie, I, I kept getting him confused with with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And Ooh. so for years, I would hear so like in my brain when someone said Richard Dreyfus, I would think Philip Seymour Hoffman, and vice versa. I'm like, they're not the same. Person. Do you think he did? Matt? Wait, was Richard Dreyfus <laughs> in a uh, uh, Poltergeist? Mm -mm. Uh, Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> okay, Mr. Incredible. Coach. Okay. Well, anyway, don't forget to rate, subscribe, review, comment, uh, tell all your friends. I do see a lot of people subscribing to the actual blog recently and, and liking our posts for the uh, podcast. So really? I appreciate that. Yeah. No, mm. no, one, no one's ever commented on our podcast I as mean, long as know. Corey and I have been doing it since 2015. It's because we have flawless opinions and nobody disagrees. <laughs> yeah. But I do appreciate when people actually watch these or, or see that they're even there, even if they're just liking for the fact that, oh, you looked at uh, Toy Soldiers? Cool. That's, that's nice. Engage with us. We don't like to we, we do want to hear like if you have any ideas about like what you want to hear about from the 90s even if we put it on the shelf like you suggest a 96 film we'll, we'll always want to consider it or, or 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 comment which which one of which one of us is your favorite Ooh, it's you're the wild card I don't know. all right i'm kids. wild enough card
Oh, next next time uh, we are going to focus on the film I uh, first saw in theaters. The first film I saw in theaters. So that'll be exciting. Yeah, we go Dennis. might have a, a mark. Yeah, I'm wearing a button down shirt, so I can't show you this time, but we'll get there uh, next podcast. Wait, we didn't do that already? It's June 91. We just passed the 30th anniversary in real time because it's July 4th today. Oh, that's why it's in my memory. Oh, okay. Cool. I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> But uh, surprise yeah. y'all next time. Yeah. Stay tuned. Oh, also, we'll happy Fourth of July, everybody, because this one. Happy Fourth of July, three weeks late. <laughs> happy <laughs> birthday, happy man. Bastille Day, we have. He was also in Space Jam. Yeah, he was. Which the sequel of which is coming out in like two weeks now as it's, a recording. It's not far. By the time this podcast comes out, it'll have come out on Friday. Yep. Actually, the same day as our as our podcast. Everybody will know how atrocious it was by then. Yeah. If you watch it first, what? Listen to our podcast first. I always listen to the podcast first. Over. <laughs>